book of Colossians, we have some thoughts for this morning. And these are the kind of thoughts that never end. I want you to know that. Because it's, it's the experience. No, I will end. Don't get nervous. <laughs> there are thoughts that never end, but I will end. <laughs> In the book of Colossians, and it's a very special book because it's one of the books that we know very, very much. I mean, we're clear on it. it. It's no guessing. It's one of the books that were written while Paul was in jail. While Paul was in jail. And uh, in the book of Colossians, you will find over a dozen times, just pick up a little pencil whenever you have a little time and mark every time he says thanks. Thanks be to God, thanks to you, thanks what God has done. Just, you just check that through and you will see there uh, a beautiful message of thanksgiving. Also what the Lord would do. In Colossians, uh, we're talking the one ch first chapter is his letter of thanksgiving. And he goes on to thank God. Why? He says in verse 3, whenever we pray for you, we always begin by giving thanks to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we have heard how much you trust the Lord and how much you love his people. I like the combination Paul puts together because they are combinations that give us a confirmation of faith. What does it mean? It says, well, we thank God because we've heard how much you trust the Lord. How much you trust the Lord. Now that's good news. It's good news to know that Christians are trusting the Lord. They're not trusting themselves. They're not trusting their own abilities. They're not trusting their own maneuverings. They're trusting the Lord. Now when you trust the Lord, which is an element and an action of faith, listen to what it says. And how much you love His people. So if you don't love the people of God, yet you claim to have a very strong trust in God, check out your trust. Because if you really trust in God, you will love his people. And it's, and it's beautiful because it's not a love. I, I'd love to explain this and I don't know if I can. It's, it's not a love that you sit and you dwell on it. It's a love that impregnates you. Now men, you don't know much about pregnancy. But I will share with you that when you're pregnant, you know there's something within you growing. And at first, it's that subtle situation which sometimes takes away a little bit of health, sometimes makes you feel a little nasty. And, uh, but as it goes on, there comes a moment, I don't know, after three or four months, that something starts to click in you. And all of a sudden, you know, there's a little creature in there sending all kinds of messages. You don't know what he's doing, but he's there. He's there. She is there. And it's beautiful. Now, trusting the Lord is something like that. So follow me, gentlemen. It's an injection of God into your life that all of a sudden sets a lot of juices flowing that never flowed in your heart or mind before. A sense of gratefulness, a sense of thanksgiving, a sense of saying, hey, wait a minute, these are my brothers and sisters. 
These are my brothers and sisters. And all of a sudden you realize, and this is why it's so important to understand that the church is a body. And as a body, we need each other. I need you folks. I really do. Each and every one of you. Uh, I need the crowd that comes on Tuesdays to pray. I love my circle, your circle, our circle in New Beginnings. And I love the cluster of people that we have on our Bible studies. We'd like to have a church filled with Bible study. But I've also shared with the church, and sometimes I tell my husband, I, I, I'm grateful, in, I really am, I'm grateful that in the city of New York, Christians know how to separate a day or two, and I'm blessed because there are people here that separate three and four days. You know what I mean? And that, that is a blessing. But when you're trusting God, you love His people. Why? Because your connection to Him gives you an ability you never had before. I remember when I first started in church and I didn't know the Lord, they took me there. My mother and father made me go to church. And I remember walking in and I would look at that crowd, I would say, how obnoxious. I mean, these people are sick. They have nothing else to do, that's why they're here. They, this has to be the dumbest crowd in the world. And I would sit there and I would spew all of this nonsense of an 11-year-old out. Why? Because I'd rather be watching the stick game, stickball game on 136th Street than sit in this little storefront church. But you know something? The tables turned when Jesus came into my heart. And I'd walk into that little storefront church and I'd see everybody and I'd say, she loves me and she loves me and he loves me and she loves me. And they all love me and I love them. And, and it, it, was something, it was something intriguing. And then there came a moment where I felt that some people loved me more than other people. And if they weren't in church, I missed them. That's why when, when you're new, don't be afraid of looking for people. Don't be afraid of having special people in church because that's the way it is. I had two sweet ladies, and Mana Cartagena and Mana Josefina Mari. These were two ladies that were in church. Now, when I went to church and they weren't there, well, Jesus wasn't there. <laughs> what can I tell you? I had problems with that. They weren't there. Why? Because I connected so well to them. But that's okay, because that's the umbilical cord. And when you get old enough, there's a clip. And then it doesn't matter if no one's there. You're there. And that's what counts. When you come through those doors, come with thanksgiving. Come with, uh, with, with a song of praise. Come because as you sit down, God's going to hear your prayers. Come because people have gathered to love you. People have gathered to, to pray with you, to uphold you. That's the strength you get out of coming here. So the Apostle Paul is tickled and he's thrilled. He says, you people trust the Lord. And because you trust the Lord, you love his people. And it's the truth. Oh, we may not fully agree with everything, but we must love one another. And that's the good thing about it. Praise his holy name. Now then Paul goes on and he holds a prayer for them, which is so beautiful. Verse 9, so ever since we heard about you, we've kept on praying and asking God to help you understand what he wants you to do. Asking him to make you wise about spiritual things. Isn't that beautiful? Wise about spiritual things. Why? Because if you get the wisdom of spiritual things, what is important? 
The spiritual things are important. Well, if you get to know what those spiritual things are, I got news for you. You're going to hang in there forever. And he goes on and he says, and asking the way you, and, and asking that the way you live will always please the Lord and honor him. So that you will always be doing good, kind things for others. There you got it. I want you to see the sequence. Because the sequence is, is, is important. One thing follows the other, right, right behind each other. And it says, and it says, asking that the way you live will always please the Lord and honor Him, so that you will always be doing the good, kind things for others. We're dealing with others. While all the time you're learning to know God better and better. Okay? While we are praying to that you be filled. Now here it goes. Here it goes. We are praying that you be filled with his mighty glorious strength so that you can keep going no matter what happens. Now what does that mean? It means that a trial, it means that a tribulation, it means that an illness, it means that family trouble, it means that whatever comes by is not going to stop your walk with God. They're going to come, but they won't stop your walk with God. Why? Because the walk with God, we're enhanced with what he said. And what did he say? The glorious strength, his mighty glorious strength in you. And that's why it's so important to stay connected, folks. Stay connected to the Lord. And listen to what he says. And always thankful to the Father who has... No, let me, let me finish that verse. We're praying too that you be filled with his mighty glorious strength so that you can keep going no matter what happens. Always full of the joy of the Lord. Whenever you see in Bible the joy of the Lord, it's not hop, skip, and jump. It's not happy time. It's not woo, woo, woo. It's not that at all. Whenever you see the joy of the Lord in the scriptures, whenever you see it, it will all either be before or after a time of tribulation, a time of pain, a time of sorrow, a time of... And where do we, where do we breathe this scripture from? From the book of Nehemiah. A people that had built a wall, but a people that were discouraged. A people that hardly had strength to do that, yet they did it through God's grace. And then when they were so sad and they were so sorry, then Ezra came in and read the law to them in the Bible, and they hadn't heard that in years. So then they all started to cry. Can you imagine? It was so, it was so moving to them that they just cried and cried and cried until they thought they could cry no more. And then this is, this is interesting. Maybe it'll happen to us someday, right? We cry so heavy in prayer that somebody has to come and say, no more crying. No more crying. Now we're going to party. You say, no, wait a minute. Don't break, don't break the blessing. Don't break the blessing. If I'm crying, let me cry. You ever hear that? We had a little old lady in Thessalonica, and I loved her to death. She would get up, and she would be with all these kind of blessings, you know. And I was afraid she was going to hit a chair and fall on her head. So I'd run over to her and I'd say, uh, uh, precious little lady, uh, won't you sit down? She'd say, oh, don't touch me. Don't you see I'm being blessed? Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> well, there's nothing I could do with her. <laughs> I had let her be blessed because uh, no way of holding her down. 
but let me let me tell you something the presence and I mean this the presence of the Lord is a reality no matter what we're going through and the joy of the Lord is not you having a party it's what rises in here through your sorrow through your pain through your loneliness through the things you've suffered through the things you don't have any longer through the people and loved ones that you miss through the thoughts of how did I mess up so badly what was missing through all of that and then you grab on to God and you know what happens then the joy of the Lord fills your soul why because you've recognized your faults you've recognized your failings it's a form of confession you've gone through your sorrow this is what Nehemiah said to the people listen start cooking get some baskets full of goodies together and if your neighbor doesn't have any make a basket for him and let everybody have a basket and let's go together and let us celebrate let us sing let us rejoice in the Lord and the people were saying we're so sad we're so tired yeah that's okay because you see after the night of sorrow breaks the day and the dawning of blessing so trust the Lord because this is what he does in our lives and it's for for us now Paul goes on to share something which I think is one of the most beautiful declarations in the entire Bible and he does this at least three or four times in his writing verse 15 first Colossians Christ is the exact likeness of the unseen God number one what's he like he is the exact likeness of the unseen God he existed before God made anything at all Wow Christ himself is the creator who made everything in heaven and earth the things we can see and the things we can't the spirit world with its kings and kingdoms its rulers and authorities were all made by Christ for his own use and his own glory he was before all else began and it is his power that holds everything together and he's the head of the body made up of his people that is the church which he began he's the leader of all those also that rise from the dead so that he is first in everything for God wanted all of himself to be in his son now this is an important part of your Christian life it's an important part of your Christian walk the exact likeness of the unseen God that answers the question and listen to me young people it's important to you what's God like you want to know what God's like read the Gospels God is like Jesus whatever Jesus is that's what God is whatever Jesus did that's what God does and if he did it in the past he can do it in the present the only thing is he's always had a bridge toward him 
a bridge of faith, a bridge of trust uh, in which Abraham walked, in which Jacob walked, in which Isaac walked. And I thank God today that our bridge is clear yet, much more powerful because it's the bridge that was built by God called Messiah. His name is Jesus. And now we can see what is God like. That's why I'm never out of the Gospels. Don't leave the Gospels. Let it be a chapter or two every day. What did he say? Who did he say it to? When did he say it? Why did he say it? Uh, What does this reveal? What does it say about him? Isn't it interesting? You get a president. You get, we have declarations and sayings all over. Lincoln said this and Washington said that and -and so-and-so said that. I went on a ladies' retreat uh, where I was speaking and they had a book, Famous Sayings from Women. I bought it. One of these days I'll read some of those famous sayings. They ain't so famous. (laughs) But the whole idea is we're always looking for who's got the sharp word. Who's got the the cutesy saying. uh, Who's got the proverbs that sound, whoa. Who's got the little psalm about their life. uh, Oh, folks, give me a break. Give me a break. You want to know about God. Look to your scriptures. Look to your scriptures. Look to Jesus. It's the most important thing. When you look to him, you're looking at a creator. When you're looking at him, you're looking at someone that was before anything else was. And the, 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 the great God that holds everything together. You've heard this a million times. You're going to hear it a million one. My mother was washing clothes. In those days, there were no washing machines. At least she didn't have one. So what my mother would do is in the big tub, she would throw all her clothes. She'd have warm water and then she'd add a little Clorox that we did have then. And the famous soap was Sealocks. Anybody here remember Sealocks? No, you were neither poor nor that old. Okay. Well, Sealocks was about this big and this big, and I think you got it for about a buck. Once I wanted it, I came home from a movie and saw a bubble bath, and I sat in it. And uh, listen to this. One of the contents of Sealocks was lie. No, I, 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 when I saw I wasn't getting bubbles out of it, I jumped out. Okay. But I'm telling you this to tell you that that's the way she washed clothes. And she would leave the tub overnight. You understand? With the warm water, with the soap, with everything. And then in the morning she would take, oh, how unhygienical. But I'll give you the whole secret. She'd take the plunger. You know what you use the plunger for, right? She'd take the, and she'd beat on these clothes. And beat on these clothes. And beat. When she was through with the plunger, then she had a wooden washboard. You know, I, the only time I saw her, well, and there she would go, whackety, whackety, whackety. I mean, hey, this was a three-day project. The soaking, the scrubbing, and then the next day, the, the rinsing and everything. It's, it's a wonder we didn't die of all kind of rashes and everything, but what we went through. But anyway, one of those days that she was through with this job, I walked up to her. I think it was about, I don't know, maybe seven, eight years old. And I says, Mama... Why don't the stars fall out of the sky? Why doesn't the moon fall down? I said, Mama, who holds up the sun? Don't ask me how I got so brainy that one day. And my mother looked at me. I never understood the look. Now I understand the look. You know, three days of washing clothes, cooking, cleaning. And my mother was a janitor also, I forgot to tell you that, my mother and father. So she had five stories to mop down for him. And I come in, this little, bright little girl at eight years old, who hung 
friends who did this. My mother just looked at me. She really didn't have any patience, and she was so tired. She says, mira, hija, se aguanta con chicle. <laughs> Mama? Mama said to me, honey, it's held up by bubble gum. <laughs> That's it. And I scratched my head. But you know, my imagination was tremendous. I thought if enough people chew bubble gum, you probably could hold all that stuff up there. <laughs> but I'm here to tell you that God created heaven and earth and everything that's in there and everything that's around us. And that's why when you sense his majesty, when you sense his power, when you sense who he is, then you can understand how small we are. And every now and then it's important to know how small we are because we get a sense of grandeur. And if anybody puts a pin in our grandeur, uh, it's over. It's like a helium balloon that somebody let there and we come flopping to the bottom. And we say, nobody loves me, nobody cares, nobody. No, 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 listen, who cares? Who cares who loves you? Oh, sister, I'm into that. I'm into self-esteem. I'm into who cares for me? Okay, well, I'm not going to knock anything off. Keep paying your therapy. Keep going. But I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something for real this morning. My God loves you. Day and night and night and day. Loves you without without reserves loves you at your ugliest point loves you when you're being nasty loves you when you're tearing people apart loves you when you're making separations that you shouldn't be making he still loves you isn't that marvelous isn't that marvelous i love him to me he's marvelous he's marvelous Sometimes somebody will come and say, Sister Amy, somebody said this. And I say, did they? Oh, oh, I shouldn't have said nothing to you. Right, right. I says, I'm glad you told me without telling somebody else. She says, no, I told a lot of people. <laughs> I says, it's all right, honey. Let me tell you why it's all right. Whenever your heart is full, Take it to the Holy Spirit. Take it to God. And you know what God will say? Don't even pay any mind to it. Don't even think about it. Don't even let it bug you. Don't. Why? Because the enemy would stir you up until your spiritual life is a networking of ugliness. Then all of a sudden you're trapped in this dilemma and the other, and you live with so much guilt. It's not worth it. Really, it's not. Love the Lord with all your heart and with all your mind. That's what counts. Uh, and you know what? My mother said, Chicklet holds the world together. I'm glad to tell you, he holds the world together. Aren't you excited? Aren't you excited? He holds it all together. My husband will not go live in California, right, darling? No. Any reasons why, dear? Chuki, chuki, chuki. Okay. But you know something? If God sends us to Florida, Florida, God sends us to California, guess what? Who cares, chuki, chuki, chuki? <laughs> Who cares? 
when you do what God tells you to do. And I'm going to let you in on a story. And don't forget this as long as you live. Sometimes he'll just tell you to stay where you are and enjoy it. He said, oh, Sister Amy, but doesn't God want me to do something? Doesn't God want to take me somewhere? Doesn't God want me in heavy-duty ministry? Doesn't God... I'm tired just telling you. <laughs> no, no. God wants you to follow the major priorities of life. The major priorities of life is, number one, getting to know him. That's the major priority of life. And the second major priority in life is to let his love flow through you so the circle that surrounds you is touched by his love. That's where we have to be faithful. That our children, that our wives, that our husbands, that our friends and fellowship circle where we work, and I mean this, that you're living such a life, that you're living with, you're not living a perfect life. Who's perfect? No one is perfect, but you're living the life that you want to live for God, and, and that's all that counts. I, I'm so thrilled as I stand here before you to know that the only thing we need is Christ. Christ is everything. Christ is all you need. Why? Because in him are settled all the issues of life. He's the one that holds this whole mess together. And you say, now, now wait a minute, when you come into that sublime thought, what about all the confusion on earth? What do you say about that, Pastor Amy? Well, we've created it. The confusion, the darkness, the hunger is man-made. It's all man-made. Isn't it amazing? We want to get food to Somalia. And little 15, 16, and 17-year-old kids with guns that we shipped or whoever shipped them, are roaming the streets and robbing the caravans. Mira que cosa loca. That's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Man-made. Man-made. Kings that disappear and take all the riches with them. Man-made. Man-made. Governments that are given subsidies uh, so they might teach people to till the earth uh, and to dig ditches and to irrigate. They took the first three conferences and disappeared, but with them the eight million that went for the entire project. Man-made. Man-made. Then we want God to be Superman. We want him to come out of the blue and straighten it all out. It just doesn't work that way. It really doesn't. That's your mentality and my mentality. I want to tell you something about the earth that God made. His intention of making it. The reality of man is that that man might know him. That that man might reach out and touch him. That life might take a meaning because sin has killed the meaning of life. Sin has torn away the meaning of life. Sin in its detriment has absolutely raped the earth of anything that is any good. You say, sister, but we're all born in sin. We're all ravaged by sin. Well, then how do, how do we get away from that? Well, looking to Jesus, looking to Christ. That's how we get away from it. And I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious. I don't care what state a person is in when he gets to know the Lord. We met a man Friday, 
and his father's in coma in the VA hospital. And my good brother, Manorino, who is a blessed man of God, got his last moments with him in terms of before going into coma and, and told him about the Lord. And now this boy is so worried because now he says, now Manorino can't talk to him because, well, he's in coma, we're just waiting. And all of a sudden it hit me. I said, look, my good brother, go to your father's bedside. Take with you a good uh, New Testament. Take with you a good piece of scripture and just read it to him. And as you read it to him, tell him God loves him. Tell him Jesus is waiting for him. Tell him the blood of Jesus cleanses him from all sin. Just go up and whisper because in a state of coma, people can still hear. I said, so go ahead and just do that and do it nonstop. And he looked at me and he said, can I? I said, sure. He says, I will. I, I, I'm going to do that. The next time I get near dead, Christ is the sum of life. Whether it's life as it's ebbing or whether it's life as it's birthed in a hospital, Christ is the sum of life. And that's why we got to get into him when we get into each other. Sometimes we share a lot of our poisons and venoms. Sometimes we share a lot of our misconceptions. Sometimes, you know what we share? We share our depression. Have you ever gone to see somebody to pick them up and you leave? <laughs> you know, asking God to kind of help you. Because you went to take somebody out of, out of a valley and they took you like a, diet, a swimmer, that, uh, somebody in the water, that can't say a drowning person, they took you with them. Oh, I've come out a lot of places like that. And I said, wow, I was supposed to tell them that it wasn't that way. Oh, God, help me. That's it. Jesus is the head of the church, the head of the body. And he's the leader. I like this. I like what Paul says. And he's the leader of all that rise from the dead. Do you know what that means? Do you know what that means? Let me tell you what it means. It means everybody that was resurrected died again. No one was resurrected to live forever. Only Jesus. And he's alive. And he's seated on the right-hand side of God the Father. And he's interceding for us. And when Satan goes up there with his song and dance and tells him we're boogieing down here, let me tell you something. Jesus is Father. He's covered with my blood. No matter how he wiggles, he's covered with my blood. Hold steady. And the Father hears the Son. And then the Father looks at us. And you know what he sees? He sees those that are his son's glory, his son's most precious treasure. And he says, that's okay. I'll watch over him. Folks, it was Christ that cleared the path for us to God. Verse 20 says it, and it says it loud and clear. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things. And it was through what the Son did that God cleared the path for everyone to come to him, all things in heaven and on earth, for Christ's death on the cross has made peace with God all by his blood. Listen to this, God made peace through the blood. We have peace through the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's why we shared with some of our precious people uh, that have different beliefs that have been taught differently it's the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that redeems. The blood of Jesus is not like any other blood. 
The blood of Jesus Christ is the blood of the Son of God, redeemed, became the Lamb of God from the foundations of the world to become our Savior. And I love that. And not only does he reconcile us, but then he gives us peace. You know how nice peace is? We used to say to my father, Papi, que te doy pa' crisma. My father used to say, Paz. And I used to get so mad. Daddy, what do we give you for Christmas? Peace. And I used to say, oh, Daddy, you can't buy peace. And I didn't even know what I was saying. You can't buy peace. You can't buy peace. It's got to come in through your heart. It filters through your nerves, goes through your sinews and the muscles of your body. It takes over your whole life. Then all of a sudden you know, in pain, in sorrow, in illness, in trouble, you still got peace. Why? Because that's what he is. He's the Prince of Peace. And let me tell you something else. Verse 22, would you read it with me? It says, in the body of his flesh through death. I've got two versions here. That's why you hear me slipping from one to the other. And listen to what it says. He has done this through the death on the cross of his own human body. And now as a result, Christ has brought you into the very presence of God and you're standing before him with nothing. Oh, can I shout? Nothing left against you. Hallelujah. Nothing. Nothing left that he could even chide you for. You say, Sister Amy, but, but, but uh, don't, don't we kind of sin every day? Yeah, but you know what Jesus told his disciples? You know what Jesus told his disciples? Remember when Peter says, give me a bath? He says, you don't need a bath. You just need the cleansing of the word. And that's, that's really what we need. Daily cleansing of his word. As far as redemption is, we are redeemed. You don't lose that around the corner. You don't lose that going on the subway. Oh, I had a dirty thought. Oh, God rejected me. Well, then this whole world is rejected. Oh, my God, how many dirty thoughts do we have? And, and, and I, and I, I, I got to tell you something, folks. Living in a world like today and watching television the way we do, I don't know about you, there comes a time that sometimes the Holy Spirit says to me, are, are you sure you should be there? And I say, oh, 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 oh. And I just get up, I tell Joe, I get up and walk away. Uh, uh, let me tell you why. I'm not, I'm not, no legalism in this church, you know that. I want my gray matter. I don't want to cry for something stupid that I see. I want to cry in the presence of the Lord. I don't want some drama to have me wasted for an hour and a half and thinking of it all night in my dreams. I really don't. You see, I don't have enough time left. I don't have enough gray matter left. I don't have enough time for gathering. Everything I have is precious. Make it precious for yourselves. Now there is a condition, verse 23. Would you go with me to the conditioning? because it's important that we realize that there is a conditioning. God does have conditions. We know them and we'll accept them by his grace. Verse 23, please. And it says the only condition is, the only condition is 
in the verse in the King James version it simply says if ye continue in the faith but the New Testament in the living verse simply says the only condition is that you fully believe in the truth stand in it steadfast and firm strong in the Lord convinced of the good news that Jesus died for you never shifting from trusting him to save you this is the wonderful news that came to each of you now spread it now spreading all over the world and I, Paul, have the joy of telling it to others. And I want, to, I want you to come with me for just a few minutes, okay? I want you to come with me in two passages of the Bible, and we'll close with that. First of all, let me give you Paul's conclusion to the, to the, to the Colossians, and that's verse 27. And he says the following, well, he starts with 26. He's kept the secret for centuries and generations past. That's the combination of the church, of the church of the body being both Gentile and Jew, okay? And then at last, and he, but now it, at last it pleased him to tell those who love him and live for him and the riches of glory of his plan are for you Gentiles too. That's where we're included. And this is the secret. Here's the secret. Christ in you, hope of glory. And I love that. Christ in you, the hope of glory. In the Living Bible, that Christ in your hearts is your only, oh, I love that word, your only hope of glory. You say, sister, why is there such a difference in translations? Well, simply because the original languages do not have as many tenses as we have, and some have more tenses than we have. So they pick out that which they feel in, 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 in looking at the rest, that that's it. So everywhere we go, we talk about Christ. I have a question for you today, and this is the question, and it's very important to me. Romans 8, please. Romans 8. Okay. And in Romans 8... I want you to see this because it's terribly important to me. Romans 8, now hold steady. This letter of Colossians, when you go home tonight, take time to read it, only four chapters. This letter of, cha in, in, of this book of Colossians takes time for thanksgiving, takes time to reveal the power of the church, takes time to tell us who we are in him, takes time to admonish us and to tell us so many beautiful things. But I've got something to tell you. It's written from a prison. It's written from Paul being in the stockades of Rome. And sometimes he wasn't, sometimes he wasn't. Sometimes they were very friendly with him and other times they weren't friendly with him. It depends upon who was in charge. Now the apostle Paul suffered like you can never imagine. And at this given time while he's writing, he's suffering. And you say, Sister Amy, I wish the gospel had a little bit more jelly beans to it. Wish the gospel had a little bit more cotton candy to it. I, I wish the jelly beans had a, I wish the, the gospel had a little bit more of marshmallows on the fire. You know what I'm saying. Many people want just a, something that's easier to take. Now listen to the apostle Paul. Verse, chapter 8, verse 35. Then who can ever keep Christ's love from us? You're talking about Rome, Romans. You're talking chapter 8, 35. Who then can keep Christ's love from us? When we have trouble or calamity, when we're hunted down or destroyed, is it because he doesn't love us anymore? 
And if we're hungry or penniless or in danger or threatened with death, has God deserted us? Hey, listen to that. No. No. For the scripture tells us that for his sake, we must be ready to face death at every moment of the day. We're like sheep waiting for slaughter. But despite all of this, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us enough to die for us. For I am convinced. Are you hearing me, folks? It's not a matter of maybe. For I am convinced that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Hallelujah. Nothing from his love. Death can't. Life can't. Angels won't. And all the powers of hell itself cannot keep God's love away. Our fear for today, our worries about tomorrow, or where we are, high above the sky, in the deepest ocean, nothing will ever be able to separate us from the love of God demonstrated by Jesus Christ when he died for us. Second Corinthians 6, listen to this. And you'll be hearing something that sounds very, very familiar. It's the same thing he said before. And he says it with a great deal of, of, of blessing. And what does he say in 2 Corinthians 6? The world ignores us, verse 9. We live close to death, but we're still here. Still very much alive. We've been injured, but kept from death. Our hearts ache, but at the same time, we have the joy of the Lord. There comes that verse again. There it comes. It never comes in happy times. Our hearts ache, but at the same time, we have the joy of the Lord. We're poor, but we give rich spiritual gifts to others. We own nothing, yet we enjoy everything. Hallelujah.